welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Olivia. And my name is Danny, and we are your co-hosts. And this episode, we are so excited because what comes out this weekend, Danny? 1989 Taylor's freaking version. Wild. So I can't believe we're here. I can't believe we're here. It makes me equal parts nauseous and jazzed. I don't actually know how I feel at my core. <laughs> it's just, I feel like it was just yesterday that we did a debate episode on if Speak Now or 1989 Taylor's version were coming next. I stand by my theory. I stand by my theory outright. I put this on TikTok and I got a lot of debate about my belief that Taylor Swift is really ready to get into TS11 and she cannot do it until she has gone through all of these re-recordings. And she knows that and we know that even if we don't really want to address that. So as a result, she is busting through these Taylor's versions so that she can release TS11 and move on into the next era, into the next phase of her life. Yeah. And I I don't know if I've said this before in the podcast, but I've definitely said it to you, Danny, about how the Midnight's era is the perfect era to just pump out all of the Taylor's versions from her past because the whole concept of Midnight's is 13 sleepless nights from throughout her entire life, which is her past. And the Taylor's versions are about her past as well. And so for the Midnight's era to cap off the era's tour and, and all the Taylor's versions is just perfect. It's poetic. And I do think that that's the strategy here. I got some like, not heat, but I had some debate in the comments of people saying, well, I don't know why you believe that when there was eight months between Fearless and between Red TV. And then we had an additional so long, a year and a half until Speak Mm -hmm. Now. And I think this might have been before 1989 TV was announced. But The reason that I initially had this thought was because of what you just said, which was this is the era's era. Like the Midnight's era was kind is kind of an era, but it's Mm -hmm. more of an era's era. And Speak Now literally just came out. It came out less than four months ago. And she is ready to get a move in into the next stage of her life. And frankly, I don't blame her. I wish in a lot of ways that Every re-record could have this full era the way that Red TV did. I understand why it can't. And I mm-hmm. also think that post-Joe Alwyn split, she's got a lot of tea she wants to share with us. And if my theory is correct, she can't move on to TS11. She cannot spill this tea to us until she has wrapped up this entire past chapter of her life, which includes her relationship with Joe Alwyn. Yeah. And rewinding it back to what you're saying about Fearless and Red Taylor's versions and, you know, people kind of pushing back on our theory here, because um, I 100% agree with this theory. I, I think it's definitely our theory together. I feel like when Fearless Taylor's version came out, she didn't know that it would be successful. She just put it out. It was an easy, comfortable album. It had Love Story and You Belong With Me on it, which are like cult classics. And it was just an easy, comfortable album to push out first. And it did really well. So then she pushed out Red and it did astronomically well. And she realized, oh, there's there's something I can do with this. And I feel like the Midnight's album, well, those aren't vault tracks. Those are newly written songs that I feel like they were inspired by her revisiting her past work and re-recording her past work and revisiting the from the vault tracks that stirring up those old emotions and thus Midnight's was produced. And she for sure is just like pushing through everything. She's already 
Easter egging reputation in 1989 hasn't even come out yet. Mm-hmm. So I think she, it's definitely apparent, at least to me and you, that she's really trying to get through this because if she doesn't finish up her re-recordings before TS11 comes out, everyone's going to eat up TS11 and immediately, 24 hours later, what's the next re-recording? Mm-hmm. And I think she noticed that with Midnight's. Like, mm-hmm. Midnight's came out and people were like, yes, this is great, but there's 1989 TV. Like, mm-hmm. that's what people's focus was on. And I don't blame people for having that focus. Like, nostalgia is a very powerful, damn near aphrodisiac. So people... Oh, yeah are hungry, thirsty, fiending for their next Taylor's version. And she knows that she needs people to settle down in order to focus on the next work that she's creating. I also theorize that the Taylor's versions that she puts the most effort and the most media appearances and whatever into are the ones where she has unreleased work that she is particularly proud of. And the reason I think this is because with Fearless, we'll start at the beginning with Fearless, of all the vault tracks, the only one that she really gave a lot of love to was Mr. Perfectly Fine. I think she was really proud of that song in like a kitschy, haha, that was so youthful and silly type way. But I don't think she thought of it as the apex of her writing. Then we get to All Too Well 10 Minute and she had this massive media rollout. She was so proud of that, as she should have been. And it was very much something that people looked forward to, people who were Swifties and non-Swifties at this point. It had circulated that there was this 10-minute version of this song that was heartbreaking. Then we get to Speak Now. I don't get the idea that there are any of those vault songs from Speak Now that really just tickled her fancy. I think the stuff that she was most proud of on Speak Now ended up on the album. I agree. I think, at least this is my opinion, I think Speak Now is not one of her baby's babies. You know, like, she loves Speak Now because it's her work and what it stood for at the time, but it only got one song on the Eras tour. Even in the in the movie, too! <laughs> yeah, absolutely cruel. And then we move our eyes forward to 1989, I think that she is particularly proud of Slut. And I'm excited to talk about that here in a bit. But she had like an entire mini vault video for it. And everyone was like, oh, Lust? Clearly Lust. Taylor wouldn't name a track Slut. I think I knew it was going to be slut when Taylor Nation post, posted, like, place your bets, lust or slut. And I'm like, they would not have tweeted slut unless it no, was slut. They wouldn't have egged on, like, a crazy theory like that if it was actually crazy. No. But I think she's proud of it. I think, again, I haven't heard the song yet. We'll speculate more in a bit. I know. But- I think that she did not have it in her to release this song at the time. So I think she's proud of it now. And that is part of why 1989, partially because 1989 is a wild commercial success and very beloved by Swifties and non-Swifties alike. But I think it's also because there was unreleased work that she is so monumentally proud of. She's told us this, that these are masterpieces that just didn't make it on the original. So I think it's getting a massive media rollout because she's proud of this unreleased work. And that Mm -hmm. makes me eager and excited to see what's going to end up as the media rollout for Reputation and for debut. Because are there unreleased songs from Reputation that she is excited about, that she wants to release but they're probably Joel wouldn't coded. Like, I just, I don't, I don't know. Or is Debut going to get iHeart question mark and stuff we've already heard? Like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I, I completely agree with you there because when we think about the Speak Now Taylor's version hype, at least I didn't really feel like she emphasized the vault tracks when she was like bragging about Speak Now coming out. It's like, Speak Now, my version will finally be ours. It's always been mine. But she never like really touched on her 
vault traps. They were a complete surprise to us. We didn't really get a feel from her how she felt about them. But off the bat with 1989, she's like, I can't believe I left these five songs behind. And that literally makes my stomach turn upside down because it, it just, I can't imagine what these are supposed to be. And when Danny was talking about like reputation vault tracks, like you can't see me because obviously this is a podcast, but I was just like kind of losing my shit because I can't even imagine what those are like. Like, I, I feel, can't believe we're going to know soon. Like, I feel so sick, Olivia. I feel so sick because 1989 is obviously like my heart album. This is my bitch. Yeah. This is my baby, my yeah. baby bitch. And I was walking to get coffee with Matt this morning and I told him unprompted. I was like, you know what freaks me out is that at any given time, I could have a new favorite Taylor Swift song, yeah. but it's never been more likely than right now because yeah. every song on 1989 is in my upper echelon of Taylor Swift songs. My top two favorite Taylor Swift songs are on 1989. New Romantics is my favorite. It's entirely plausible that a month from now, I will have a new favorite Taylor Swift song. New Romantics mm-hmm. has been my favorite for almost a decade, and that could change just like that? Ugh. That's wild. That's wild. I'm... I'm anxious for these, like anxious in a good way, you know, not definitely not a bad way. I'm sure I can't imagine disliking any of these songs, but like, you know, we, we never know, I guess. But <laughs> so just like with Speak Now, if you listen to our Speak Now hype episode back in July, I think is when it came out, we are going to talk about which songs we are most excited and therefore most anxious to hear on 1989 Taylor's version. We are going to talk a little bit about any 1989 or just general Taylor Swift news we got going on right now. And then we are going to talk about each of the vault tracks and talk about what we think they're going to sound like. I have a stipulation as we talk about Taylor Swift news. <laughs> We are in a groove now. We record these episodes a week and a half in advance right Mm -hmm. now, unless there's urgent news. So if you listen to anything we say and you're like, that's dated, or God forbid she drops a song between now and (laughs) like a week and a half. I'm sure we'd make an emergency episode for that one. (laughs) We would do an emergency episode, but like things change so fast right now. So anything we say can be outdated. Just keep that in mind. Before we jump into it, Let's hear from our sponsors. Okay, so we're back. What song, Olivia, are you the most excited about hearing? Excited. Man. Okay, so we've already heard Wildest Dreams. We've already heard This Love. We've heard Bits of Bad Blood. We've heard Bits of Welcome to New York. And and Out of of the the Woods. woods. (laughs) (laughs) She's really, like, giving us a lot here. Mm -hmm. Excited is hard because... In my brain with 1989 Taylor's version, I feel like this has the potential to be one of the first Taylor's versions where it might be a little bit harder to tell the difference between OG and Taylor's version. To this day, sometimes on like if I play Taylor Swift on shuffle, OG Wildest Dreams will play and I won't catch it because I don't have the ear for that. Because at this point, her vocals were already great by 1989 era so I would be shocked if she drastically improved any of these songs because they're already wonderful so I guess with that like I'm excited to hear clean I'm excited to see how close to the original that is because that's a song where there isn't a lot of production on top of her voice it's a great answer as a clean stand and style of course but I I don't anticipate being able to hear a really big difference I guess I have a couple because We heard that clip of Out of the Woods before the movie, the Aerostore movie. Mm -hmm. There was that clip with that movie, and I was like, 
wow, the production seems stronger and the vocals seem stronger. And I don't know if that's because it was in a trailer and there was additional stuff laid on it that happens all the time. Thank Carolina with where the crawdads sing. That stuff happens. But I was like, this sounds like just more intense version of Out of the Woods. So I'm excited to hear that in full. And I'm also excited about Welcome to New York because that song has, in my opinion, some of the weakest vocals on 1989. And they're not weak vocals by any means but like weaker on the album if we're just comparing it to itself. Yeah, exactly. So I just said any mean, I'm any means, doesn't matter. So like, I, I'm excited to hear her do those big jumps and notes with a more supported sound yeah. and to see if that makes the song better, even though it's not one of my favorites on 1989. I feel like I can way more easily pick out the songs I'm nervous for. <laughs> then tell me. Uh, I know places, <laughs> particularly for the the part where she's repeating the chorus for one of the final times and a lot of the, the instrumental backs out and it's just her like straining her vocals because if we're learning any lessons from past Taylor's versions, she doesn't restrain her vocals for Taylor's version. And sometimes those vocal imperfections are my favorite parts of songs. Like I Know Places is one example and her voice crack on the bridge in Wonderland. Oh, I will shed a tear if there's no voice crack in Wonderland and there likely will not be a voice crack in Wonderland. And it's fine. I've said before, and I think you agreed with me, that something that makes 1989 endearing is the emotion in the songs themselves and her vocals. Mm -hmm. Because 1989 is the first of her albums where it was relatively general. I think that's part of the reason why 1989 popped off the way that it did was because people could apply it to their own lives with a relative level of ease, right? Super specific. There's no red scarf. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. There's no, I walked through the door through the air was cold. Shit. Like that's so specific. In the kitchen, the refrigerator (laughs) light. (laughs) It's a pretty general album with a few exceptions. Looking at you, remember when you hit the brakes too soon, 20 stitches in the hospital room. But it's, because of the emotion in her vocals that the album still seemed so personal that it still seemed so intimate because you can hear all of that in her voice and it makes me nervous that we're going to lose that emotion because what made it more than just a generic pop album and something that still felt like looking into the window of taylor swift's life and brain and thoughts and emotions was because it all came out in her voice she doesn't feel those things anymore in general yeah. I don't know. She's already recorded Wildest Dreams, so she can't even be like, he's so tall and handsome as hell thinking about Travis Kelsey. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's already recorded and done and dusted. But she's not feeling these things anymore. Yep. So I just hope that she can keep that emotion alive enough that I believe the words she's singing. I guess with that being said, I'm excited for Shake It Off because I feel like of all songs, that one is one that can apply to her at all times. True. I feel like that would be a fun song to hear her older self sing. Yeah, I agree. I'm particularly anxious for new romantics for obvious reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Before Haunted came out, I remember you were really nervous for similar reasons of, oh, yeah. that that is that is the song that is like just embedded into my brain. Yeah. You're going to notice every minor difference. Every minor difference. The question, of course, is, will those minor differences bother me? Yeah, I, I bet they will. Oh, Absolutely. great. Because like Haunted Taylor's version is fabulous it still makes me wildly uncomfortable. <laughs> like Uncanny Valley. It's like, that's not right. Something is just <laughs> slightly off. <laughs> I feel nervous about Wonderland as well, for the same reason you do. Yeah. The voice crack and the emotion and the anxiety in that song. And I just, 
it's really those songs, like I Know Places as well, where there are the vocal imperfections. There are the really big vocal risks almost. And yeah. she's got the chest voice for those things now without having to strain or be full of emotion. And I'm like, listen, I know you're more talented now. I know your vo- vocals have improved in 10 years. Can you just wind it back? Can you fake it for me? Please? Watch a really sad movie or something, please. Shit, she didn't give us the uh, the shaky breath during last kiss, and she knew how much that meant to us. She couldn't have faked a like a little bit of something. Have Travis fake break up with you, okay? Like that's what Danny had Matt do for he did. His text was kind of mean, though. That's so true. It really hit home. But yes, my boyfriend did fake break up with me before all two L ten minute came out, so I could fully feel it. Per my request. Per my request, and it was fucking targeted. I was like, that, uh, you had that locked and loaded. Oh. <laughs> what a time. What I can't a believe time. that was two years ago. Oh, my God. Don't say that to me. It was insane. That's insane. And just like with Red Taylor's version. Wait, okay, hold on. Back up. All of the Taylor's versions so far, Olivia and I listened to Fearless TV together oh. in my apartment. And then we listened to Red TV in Olivia's apartment in Michigan. And then we listened to Speak Now TV in my apartment in Kansas City. And I will be going to Michigan for 1989 Taylor's Oh, version. my God. <laughs> oh, my God. You better start planning that reputation release party. Yeah, because you're going to come out for that. And then I'm going to yep. go out there for debut. I just realized that. Aww. Yeah, Danny and I always try to be together for Taylor Swift releases. Like, she also flew to Michigan for Midnight's. <laughs> I did fly to Michigan for Midnight's. It's just important. And I'm doing it again for 1989. But this time, I'm bringing along my boyfriend and my roommate. So it's going to be a whole party. It's going to be so fun. I ordered the decorations and they came in today. And they're going to be really cute. And for those of you listening, if you want to see, go to Instagram. You can go to our personal Instagrams or the Taylor Lee page. I'm sure we're going to like plaster them everywhere. Absolutely. So, oh God, I'm just so excited. So speaking of like 1989 general news, this rollout has been insane. She has done so, so, so much to make this super special. Obviously, she did the announcement at LA Night 6, and she did that whole, like, games, the guessing games on Google. We had to get 33 million. That was so, so, so stressful. I did my 89. I did my 89, my duty, my Civic Taylor Swift duty. And the merch drop is, in my opinion, the best merch drop she's had in a minute. Yeah, I agree. I have it pulled up right here, and I just want everything. Merch is getting better. It's just a far more impressive rollout and a thoughtful rollout. And of course, her marketing just eats every time by doing the vinyls where they spell out 1989. It's just, it eats. She is yeah. so good at this. It's a, a little bit frustrating because... I don't necessarily have the disposable income, even as a 1989 stan, to get all of these vinyls. I don't even have a place to hang them. My wall space is limited in my apartment. And I'm just hopeful that they'll show up in a local vinyl shop where I can get them the way the Midnight's ones did. Because I almost panic ordered the Midnight's variants, and then I didn't. And now you can find them in, like, any vinyl shop. So that is what I am hoping for because I can piecemeal them. Like, I can buy one and then a month later buy another. And it's not like I can't afford to get them. It's that it's very hard for me to justify a mass purchase when I know in my heart of hearts that it's going to show up in a record store in Kansas City. I'm an avid vinyl collector, so I buy it on my first opportunity because I've been burned in the past. (laughs) 
<laughs> at, Looking at you, lover. Yep. Lover Hershey finals. <laughs> also, speaking of general news surrounding Taylor Swift, again, this is recorded a week and a half before, but I just need to take a quick second to talk about how Taylor Swift just she's got the world on a string she's had the world on a string for a while we know that but last night as of the day we're recording she popped up on snl for five Mm -hmm. seconds randomly spice travis kelsey pops in the skit that they did which is poking fun at swifties in a non-misogynistic way very refreshing i must say you can't google the shit that they said the jokes that they made those are not googleable content questions yeah they either like were paying attention or they have Swifties on the team that wrote the jokes for them. All I know is they were making jokes and make, saying things that I'm like, this is so niche. Like, we call her Blondie on the internet. That's not something you can Google. Because if you search Blondie singer, you're going to get the singer named Blondie. Yeah. If you look up nicknames for Taylor Swift, you're not going to get Blondie. That is a uniquely, like, Twitter Swifty, sometimes TikTok, sometimes Instagram. Yeah. Anyway. It was great. She's got the world in a string, and she and Travis look so happy. Uh, did you see? Mm, did you see that somebody said that he told her security guard to quote step aside, and he had it from there. I love that. I was kicking my feet. Step aside. Step aside. <laughs> got it from here. What he, he lets makes? Her be jeweled. He lets her be jeweled. He makes. I her told look- my boyfriend that joke today, and he's like, "That doesn't grammatically make sense." And I'm like, "Yes, that is, yes. a joke." <laughs> I'm just, I am in shock. She looks up at him. She can wear her four inch heels. Like she is living her best life. I am living my best life. Watching it happen, I've never cared this much about a relationship of two strangers ever, ever, ever. And I can sing yeah. big reputations. You and me got big reputations, and I want to be your first string with my full fucking chest because I believe them. I don't care what songs are written about Joe Alwyn. They're, as she said at the beginning of her lover's speech or whatever, my hope is that these songs can be about the memories we're making tonight, not just about my past. Girl, apply them to your future. <laughs> Taylor Swift can see the future. Confirmed. I'm telling you. God. And he is just such a gentleman. He helped everybody out of the car, including our security detail, and helped everybody back in. The video of them leaving um, Nobu in New York, and they walk past the chefs, and they both say, like, thank you, thank you for everything. And someone shouts, go Chiefs! And he goes, hell yeah, brother. (laughs) (laughs) They're just the sweetest, and I'm obsessed with them. And Tavis Nation, we are up. We are so up. Must be a bad time to hate Taylor Swift. Especially if you live in Kansas City. Yeah. Oh, man. And living in Kansas City right now is truly just the most bizarre experience because we have inside information to what generally when Taylor Swift mm-hmm. is going to come into town. Mm-hmm. And as a result, when I get the warning, I feel my stomach drop. The air changes, that TikTok sound of mm-hmm. the wind in the east. I believe like, it so much. It's that. It's so weird. I'm like, she's here. But the point is that Taylor Swift being in Kansas City is a very bizarre experience for me personally as a resident of Kansas City. Don't know if any other Kansas City Swifties are feeling that way. I just, this is weird. Because it's just like Kansas City has never been significant to her before. Like New York Swifties, I feel like have adapted to the knowledge that Taylor Swift is just in the same city as them at all times. And it still might be wild to them sometimes. Like it'll hit them out of the blue and they they feel like, wow, it's crazy that I'm just in the same city as Taylor Swift. But that's like normal. She has a house there. Kansas City. <laughs> yep. Wild. I, 
it, yeah, it's just very bizarre. And Rihanna and ASAP Rocky bought a home here. I yeah. just, I what don't know happening? what's happening. I don't know what's happening in Kansas City, dude. And like, oh. don't get me wrong. I love this city. I've been living here for four and a half years. I think it's great. It, it's not ever really been a celebrity hub. So yeah, the Chiefs are the celebrities. Quite literally, the Chiefs are the celebrities. And I get it. They're great people. I'm just, I'm excited. I'm excited. I think this is going to be great. I Kansas City has, it, it's what we call a brewery city, where the most important, like, interesting thing to do is take your new friends to breweries or whatever. It's a brewery city. So it's yeah. very bizarre to have it not feel like a brewery city right now. Wild. Wild. Well, again, we don't know what news is going to happen and before this comes out of them together, but they seem very happy. I am very happy for her. I love that he's dressing in like the 1989 color palette. <laughs> I'm loving her street style lately. I just, he lets her be jeweled. I'm so and obsessed with them. There are people online who are like, this is 1989 promo. And I'm like, let me tell you something. If this were 1989 promo, she would not be caught dead with a man. The whole point of the 1989 era was that men didn't matter. And she was with her girly pops in New York. And it's not a bizarre thought that, yeah, her being seen in public, yeah, is PR. She's Taylor Swift. There's no way in hell that every time she considers taking a stroll down a sidewalk she doesn't discuss the best way to do it with tree every single time every single time we see her in public it is pr of course she's a massive celebrity but that doesn't make what she's doing in public less genuine exactly it can be and kind of should be with her just extreme level of fame and influence every move that she makes is a combination of a personal decision and a pr decision and that's entirely intentional because if she doesn't think about the pr when she steps out she could upset people or she could do something unintentional that she doesn't want to be perceived that way it has to be pr but pr has kind of this negative connotation with it of oh if something is done for pr it's automatically bad wrong wrong we as swifties should know by now that if she doesn't want to be seen, she's not going to be seen. It still doesn't make it fake because she chooses to let herself be seen. Let herself be jeweled. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't even know that she had a boyfriend in Joelwin until like a year after they were dating. It was so yeah. private. And one day, I cannot wait till we get TS11 and get more insight, but one day we will get to break down that relationship a little bit more. So part of her staying hidden could have been more of a Joe decision. We don't know with confidence yet but if she wants to hide she will hide she doesn't want to hide and neither does travis they are so private but not secret and i am obsessed with it yeah i i get anxious about dragging joe alwyn's name into this in any way shape or form but i'm going to for a brief moment to just do a comparison a side by side there was a video that went around during the reputation era of joe and taylor running really quickly from restaurant into car. He has her hand. He's pulling her into the car and they run super fast. And at the time, there was a lot of romanticization around that. It was, look Mm -hmm. at him protecting her as they run. I'm kind of getting the vibe that Taylor doesn't want that. Because when Travis helped her out of the car and she began to walk past him and he put his hand around her waist and pulled her back in and she smiled. And then they walked at their own pace not slow, not quick, just normal, into the restaurant and smiled at the pa- at the paps and just smiled at each other. I, you know, I don't think that there was anything wrong with Joe Alwyn explicitly. I think it is a style of relationship difference. And I don't think that she 
wanted to be secretive once things were going well for her again. I think he did. I think that she didn't want to have to run into cars. I think that right now is the happiest I have seen her in a very long time. Yeah. I kind of feel somewhere in the middle. I feel like that was originally what she wanted and it slowly morphed into this isn't what I want anymore. But when you're in a relationship like that and it and everything is still going exactly how you wanted when it was in the beginning and you were so head over heels in love and it was perfect and it's still going the exact same way, but like other things are changing around you. It's hard to like pinpoint where you're feeling uncomfortable because nothing has changed, you know, like she also romanticized the secrecy and keeping everything in her love life private because before that, whenever she did have public relationships that fucked everything up in her opinion. But I think that and the aftermath of her relationship with Joe not working, trying something different is wildly important. Yeah. I also, just like last note before we move into what you're already here for, which is 1989, or maybe the <laughs> drama, who knows. But I think that who she dates has always had a wild impact on the way she's perceived by the public. Mm-hmm. Because back, even way back in the day, think Joe Jonas, teeny bopper, that got the reaction that it did because of who he was. And then think about John Mayer. John Mayer has always been known to be a dick bag, and she was the dumb kid who fell for somebody much older than her. And mm-hmm. Harry Styles, again, One Direction band member, boy band member, that, like, that hurt her reputation. <laughs> but it's stuff like that who she's dating has always had an impact and it shouldn't unless the person's like either really really bad or really really great but it does and travis kelsey is so just generally beloved he is so well liked by everyone and thus at least from a normal non-taylor swift fan perspective if travis kelsey who is somebody that's well beloved really likes her then why shouldn't you so i love it i do too Tavis Nation, we're up. New queen of Kansas City. Oh, God. <laughs> That's <laughs> wild. Wild, wild, wild. Let's talk about which, what we think that the vault tracks are going to sound like. And in this order, they go slut, say don't go, now that we don't talk, suburban legends, and is it over now? But I want to save slut till the end. Ha ha. Yeah. So <laughs> what do you think say don't go is going to be about or what it's going to generally sound like? And I know this is hard. We did this for Speak Now. And we were way off. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it's not a bad thing to be way off. Okay. So I don't know about sonically right this second. Let me, let me try to build that in my brain, but say, don't go. I get, it's like a bag. Say, don't go. Tell me, don't go. And it's her ending this relationship and her wishing he would just beg for her to stay kind of similar to like, I wish you would. And you don't know what I never said. I wish you would come back. Like she broke up with him, but like that's not what she wanted. And she wanted him to beg for her to stay. Mm. See, I heard that phrase differently. Like you heard it as you should say, don't go or tell me not to go. I hear it as this is probably way off. Yours makes so much more sense. But <laughs> like, speak to me. Don't leave. Like, I need you to say something. I don't need you to oh, like, don't need speak, you to don't go. go, talk, don't go. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I hear it, which is grammatically way off. So I don't know why I heard that so off, but I I guess we'll see. I just don't imagine a world where this is a super fast song. Really? I don't know. I mean, I bet if you didn't know what all you had to do was stay was about, you would think that was a slow song. Oh my God, you're so right. See, I can't guess Taylor Swift. Or I wish you would. You wouldn't think that was a slow or a fast song. You wouldn't. So that's why my guesses are way off. She also only has a couple of ballads on 1989 and yeah, they're You Are like In Love hot, and This Love. Yeah. Pop like bangers. 
Yeah. So I'm wondering if she's going to backfill the lack of ballads in the vault tracks or if she's going to keep up with the hype. I don't know. I don't know. I have my brain is literally blank when it comes to say <laughs> don't go. I want to say it's like upbeat, but it's not necessarily super pop banger. But it's upbeat. Mm. So like when I think of that, I think of the last great American dynasty because I think that's upbeat. That's an upbeat song, but it's not like super banger, but it's yeah. an upbeat song. I don't know. My brain is just blank with this one. I don't know. Blank space, if you will. Unbelievable. I'm, not, I'm ending this call. <laughs> okay. Now that we don't talk, I'll give you some reprieve. I'll go first so that we can go back and forth yeah. so I don't just put you on the spot each time. <laughs> so now that we don't talk, for me, goes one of two ways. There's no middle ground like we just said with Say Don't Go. For me, it's either a ballad that's beautiful and like, you know, slow and emotional, or it's fast and vibey. Like all you had to do was stay. Like that's it. That's and to me. Don't talk. <laughs> and now that we don't talk, yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> I can't. I literally can't imagine it in the middle. And again, now that I'm saying that, it's probably going to be somewhere in the middle. But I don't know which one. But I feel like it's got to be one way or the other. I'm placing my bets on pop banger. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I'm feeling, like, very first night vibes for some reason. That's kind of, like, what I'm getting. I don't (laughs) – this is based off of absolutely zero anything. We're going to listen back to this, as we always do, because it's really fun to listen back to these, like, theories before we know what these songs sound like. And uh, I don't know. For some reason, it's just screaming the very first night to me. I don't know. Wow. You know, I don't hate that take, actually. And now that we don't talk, do we think it's going to be, like, I miss you now that we don't talk? Or – I forget about you now that we don't talk. I think it's going to be about the things in her life that have changed now that we don't talk. Ooh, I like that. Like, I think it's going to be when I, I don't, I'm not a writer. Yeah, and it's like like, a variation, like every single chorus or something. And then now that we don't talk, like this and this and this and this and this and this, now that we don't talk. Exactly. Like I wake up, I do this. My life is like this, blah, 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 blah. Now that we don't talk. Now that we don't talk, I I do this, blah, 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 blah. Because now we don't talk. That is my theory. I like that. Okay. (laughs) Suburban Legends. I'm really excited about this one. Let's be clear. I think Pop Banger. It has to be, right? Although I'm not looking forward to every single teenager in the world making their Instagram bio, not bio, but like caption on their next post. They're Suburban Legends. Suburban Legends. (laughs) I can also, okay, so if this weren't on 1989, though, I would think it was a beautiful like piano something. Hmm. But because it's on 1989, it's screaming new romantics to me. Okay. So <laughs> Taylor Swift and the word suburbia don't really make sense together in my mind. And so I'm wondering yeah. if this is one of her like fake stories that she wrote up mm. about a relationship that happens in a suburban town. And that's how we ended up with or suburban Or what letters. if I wasn't famous style. Yeah. Mm. I don't, I just, I, I literally cannot picture it. Me either it's or, I think it's the most intrigue besides slut it's the most intriguing track title hard agree which is funny to me because I was like I'm not really interested in the title I can see you doesn't really matter much to me and then it was like <laughs> and then it was I can see you <laughs> and then it was I can see you right I can see you. so I'm trying not to get my hopes up about literally anything but when I saw the title suburban legends I was like oh I'm excited about that one baby is it over now how can this one be fast I think it's slow too. I think it's going to be slow. I It's giving what was I made for to me for some reason. Is it over now? Like, I don't know. But he, here's my thing. Clean. 
closes the original album. And it's slow, uh, but then the bonus tracks, it closes on New Romantics, which is a banger. And mm-hmm. so it, is she going to close 1989 Taylor's version on something slow or something fast? I don't know because she's done both. And is it going to be, is it over now? Like in terms of I'll be relieved if it's over or is it really over now? As in like, are you really ending it with me? Literally, that was my thought process was which way is it going to go? Is the relationship over or is the pain over? And either way. Is she happy about it or is she sad about it? Yeah. I can't. I just, I can't imagine this being fast. I can't imagine it being fast either. I think it's going to be slow. But she always has a way of impressing us because all you had to do was stay. I've theorized before that the original way it was written was slow. And then she was like, nope, I'm trying to not be sad girl. And that is so sad girl. So she sped it up and lyrics that are intrinsically sad. Let me remind you, this is what you wanted. You were all I wanted. Could have been a lot slower and a lot sadder. And then she's like, shit, I have to speed this up. And then lyrics that on paper are devastating. were like, ooh, bop, vibe, jive. And that could be happening here. It makes me wonder with her vault tracks, is she going to stay true to the 1989 vibe and try to make it like upbeat pop, not sad girl? Or is she going to kind of stay true to how some of these songs were written, the feelings in which these songs were actually written and produce it according to that? Or is she going to try to produce it the way that 1989 was originally produced, which like I feel like came from a place of insecurity? Oh, I don't know. Because I, don't, I think she's a lot less insecure in that aspect, modern day. No, she can release anything and it'll be eaten up. And she knows that and we know that. And 1989 was written and ultimately released as a... Uh, what's the word? I'm, I'm not sad girl. Don't, I'm don't not, feel bad for me like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sad girl. And also some sort of redemption arc because Red didn't win album of the year. Looking at you, random access memories. But placing my bets, is it over now? We'll be slow. I'm placing my bet that is it over now is slow, but also, ooh, pop, theory popped into my brain while we're talking. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So what we know about Harry Styles, again, go back and listen to our Muses Harry Styles <gasps> episode from season one if you want to. Oh, you know exactly where I'm going with this, <gasps> is that they were on again, off again for Is it really months. over now? It's actually over is now. Is it really? Okay. That makes me feel like it's going to be fast. Ah. Take it back. Take it back. It's gonna be fast now. <laughs> it just, that just came out of me. That came out of nowhere. I think you're so right. I think you're right. Because they were just it, back and forth for so long. Are you for real this time? <laughs> yeah. Is it actually over now? Is it over now? Which brings us back to Say Don't Go mm. of if it's her being like, and you just speak to me and not go. If they were, you know, back and forth for as long as they were. And then finally he leaves her on the boat or whatever um, in the Virgin Islands. Like. I need you to talk to me. I need you not to leave. I just, I'm still convinced that the album was very much inspired by Harry Styles. And they had such a back and forth, wild relationship for so long. Which is amazing fodder for music. Even if Harry Styles ultimately wasn't one of her like biggest heartbreaks and most like meaningful relationships to her to this day, the on again, off again nature is great for creating songs about relationships because there's so much like passion instability and passion and just like it's perfect for songwriting so like whether or not because I don't know it's hard to tell based off of this being our song choice for Harry Styles because not a lot of it is like super like deep and heartfelt and like soul bearing love songs and red were so it's hard to like 
place for me to confidently get a gauge in how she felt going through this with Harry Styles. Mm. So like, while I don't feel confident in saying that like he was her one true love when she was in her 20s or whatever, because I, I can't confidently say that. There are a lot of people who push against a uh, majority of 1989 being about Harry Styles because like, why would it be when he doesn't even feel like one of her major heartbreaking exes? But the on-again, off-again nature, the, the drama of an on-again, off-again relationship is perfect for writing music about. We didn't talk a whole lot about our emotions about Harry Styles in that episode because it was really early on in the podcast yeah. and we were afraid that people it's didn't really... our first Muses episode. We were afraid people wouldn't really care. So I'll say it a little bit right now. I don't think that it was like this, it was some major heartbreak. I think that Harry Styles is a gentleman and was raised a gentleman and is a really good-natured human. And after a lot of really messy, awful relationships, she kind of has this thing with a really good-natured guy who also is a playboy and learning how to be famous when she'd already learned how to be Mm -hmm. famous. I just think she was having this moment of, oh, but he's so good. He should work for me. And then he does something stupid like kiss somebody in Australia and is like, don't even pay attention to that, babe. I just, I don't think that it was because of him being like a major heartbreaker. I just think it was because it's easy to go back and forth with somebody that seems like they should be good and they're just not good for you. Yeah. I feel like, is it over now is going to be something like act one of the song through the first chorus. Like first, first, first chorus is like, their first relationship is it over now and then they get back together and it's the story through the next first and the next chorus is it over now and then they get back together and the bridge is like their final breakup. oh that would be so good yeah that would be so good <laughs> so let's talk about slut let's because slut. i'm excited and i feel like it's really obvious what this is going to be about and as i'm saying that it means i'm going to be wrong it is in quotation marks and the red era was awful for taylor because she got this like scarlet letter on her of being a whore or something when she wasn't one and the memes yeah. were awful and everybody called her a slut and this song just has to be it's kind of giving the sabrina carpenter i'm a homewrecker i'm a slut and i got death Mm -hmm. or uh, Mm -hmm. filling up or death threats filling up semi-trucks that's the vibe it's giving me yeah all because i like double that's what it's giving i want this to be a pop banger but i think it's gonna be slow oh my god I just have this gut feeling that I can't ignore, so I need to document it, even if I am wildly wrong later. Uh, my gut feeling is that it's slow. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a tearjerker. It's gonna be like a nothing new. Oh my god! That's, that's what I think. <laughs> okay, my bet's fast. Your bet is slow. If all I know is that if there's not slut merch, what is this for? Or it could be okay. So my bet is that it's gonna be like slow and heart wrenching. But there is the angle that it could be like blank spacey. That's kind of where my brain went to. But part of the reason why I think it wouldn't be is because Blank Space is satire, but to people who aren't paying attention to it being satire, it kind of sounded real. Yeah, people believe that's Taylor Swift's persona to this day. And that she was just admitting it when it was (laughs) clearly satire and she said it was satire. But slut is in quotation marks, which makes me think that it's going to be in the song, in the narrative of the song, somebody calling her a slut. Which is why I think it's going to be a little bit heart-wrenching. It can be heart-wrenching and fast. 
Mm. Well, my bet's fast. Your bet's slow. Yeah. We'll see who's right. And- I'm anxious for this one. I'm really excited for it. My anxiety about it comes from, I feel like there's so much pressure on the song, which she had to have known naming it this, that this is, she knew what she was doing, naming it what it is. But it's just, I'm so anxious for it letting me down because I have such high, high expectations for it. That's kind of how I felt about Vigilante shit because Vigilante shit, I was like, oh my God, imagine saying my favorite Taylor Swift song is Vigilante shit. And then I heard Vigilante shit and I'm like, I can't imagine anybody saying this is their favorite Taylor Swift song. Yeah. I I am nervous. I also saw a theory that I really like, which is when people Google Taylor Swift slut or when they used to, mm-hmm. they would get a lot of slut shaming articles. Now, if you Google Taylor Swift slut taylor swift whore taylor swift floozy taylor swift song slut is going to come up and i'd say nine taylor's version 1989 blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. it's gonna be buried wonderful it's in line with that joke about her going to the new york jets game so that when you google taylor swift jet you don't get her private jet (laughs) emissions you get her at the football game yeah (laughs) that's so funny I am excited, though, because it's going to be the first song we listen to. Because, as always, we're going to start with the vault tracks and then go to the beginning. So the first song we get... I'm fucking anxious because the first song we listen to is Slut. And then the last song we listen to is New Romantics. You can't relax. They can't relax the whole time. Oh, my God. And this is happening soon. It's happening. And when this comes out, we will be only, like, a day away. A day and a half away. Yeah. As you're listening to this, we are actively freaking out. As you're listening to this, Danny will be coming to Michigan. We'll have our little Halloween weekend and 1989 release party, not in that order. And then I get to stay with Olivia for like a week and a half. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm going to have to figure out how to fit 10 days of clothes into a carry-on. I have a washing machine. Oh, hell yeah. I kind of forgot about that. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Let's rank the vault tracks one to five. One being the most we're excited for, five being least excited for. I love that idea. Let's start with our number one, shared number one. Slut. Slut. <laughs> Slut. It has to be. It has to be. It's clickbait. So clickbait. Okay, my number two is Suburban Legends. My number two is, is it over now after our discussion and theory building together? Ooh. That's my number three is, is it over now? The Suburban Legends is my number three. Oh, poor say don't go and now that we don't talk. I know. What's your number four? Now that we don't talk. Mine's Say Don't Go. Because I'm curious which version of like that yeah. wordplay it is. And then my last is Say Don't Go. Only and because I think it's a little a, a little bit clunky as a song title. Kind of is. And Now That We Don't Talk, obviously, is mine. Process of elimination there. But regardless, yeah. she's proud of all of these ones. The, the pressure, the immense pressure that she put on this. I feel sick for her. Okay, so she said on her Instagram announcement for 1989 Taylor's version, to be perfectly honest, this is my most favorite re-record I've ever done because the five from the vault tracks are so insane. I can't believe they were ever left behind. I feel sick. They're insane, she says. Her saying that they're insane makes me feel like they're all fast somehow. Yeah. I don't know. I can't wait to listen to this after we <laughs> actually listen to the vault tracks. I feel anxious about it already. Yeah. You know what's funny is that I was so nervous when our Speak Now Predictions episode came out because I'm like, people are going to be so judgmental and so awful or whatever. Not that I think that listeners, that you guys would be. It's more of a, I, I giggle I when I see wrong. people. I don't want to be wrong. I, 
and we're setting ourselves up for failure. And I giggle when I see people be way off. So I'm like, people giggle when I'm way off. And you guys were so nice. Somebody was like, Danny's, I can see you was pretty close. And I went back and listened. And I'm like, I don't think it was at all. <laughs> but you guys were just so nice about it. So I, I feel like we're both so afraid of saying something wrong that we aren't saying very much at all. I don't even know where to begin when it comes to guessing what Taylor Swift songs are going to sound like. Because yeah, I would be it's so wrong. hard for me to imagine any additional Taylor Swift songs in my life at any given moment. For example, I sometimes go back and listen to our old episodes just to see where we used to be and where we are now and everything. And honestly, I just listen to our own podcast for fun because it's just shocking to me listening to us talk and like we have a podcast because that's not what it feels like when we're sitting here recording it. We're just talking to each other. So it's just wild to listen to the final edit of everything. And listening back to our Midnight's Guess What All the Songs Are Gonna Sound Like is just so fun to listen to because we were so off every step of the way. Plus, it was a drunk episode. So if you want to listen to that, um, we want your Midnight's Tailored Tipsy Swifties episode. It's really funny to listen to knowing what the entirety of Midnight sounds like. Can we talk about the Target bonus track being Sweeter Than Fiction? Yeah. Sweeter Than Fiction is so mid to me. And I know that you you feel pretty mid about it, too. Yeah. It's the first Jack Antonoff collab. Yeah. And I think that it was a nice little aperitif, a mousse-bouche <laughs> to what, what we were going to get with 1989. I just feel so eh about it. And part yeah. of me is disappointed that that is the bonus track. I know that that's controversial. I don't care. It's not my thing. It's not bad. Yeah. I love, I love it. But... To me, it's just not 1989. When did it come out? It came out between Red and 1989. Mm, I see. Gotcha. Okay, I guess that makes sense. It's just hard when Hits Different was the bonus track for Midnight's for Target. Yeah, I really wanted something that was just going to be really special and another yeah. one of those tracks that she was so sad and couldn't leave off, whatever. Oh, that brings me to another theory I want us to talk about, the double album theory. I don't buy it, but damn the evidence people are presenting. I'm like, could you imagine if she dropped two 1989s? Olivia looks like she's like having a heart attack right now. Are you Listen, okay? for those of you who have never heard of Karma, the missing album, Swifty Conspiracy Theory, it is a Swifty Conspiracy Theory that I believe with my whole heart and soul. And for the longest time, I had myself clowning thinking that there was a possibility she was going to do a double release with the album that should have been, which I want to make very clear, we call it the, the Karma album, not because we think the album name is karma she knew what she was doing naming one of her tracks karma because she was referencing this theory it's just like the swifty code name for this missing album that we know as a titleless potential of an album and i do have it on the docket for us to cover this season because it's my favorite conspiracy theory and to me there's just simply no possible way that there was not a scrapped album between 1989 and reputation there's simply no way Oh, yeah, there totally was. Like, no she started writing Speak Now the week after Fearless came out. None of those tracks made the album. But she is always working on the next project. Mm -hmm. Something was scrapped. And could you imagine? We never covered the Karma the album theory. We haven't yet. I know it's on the docket for this season. But if she beats us to it and does a double release and one is 1989 and one is the Karma album, I'll be so... You're making me panic now. I'll be I need to so move that mad. Up. I need to move that up. Oh my god. I'll there be is so no moving mad. it up. This is the last episode before 1989. 
I guess that's true. There's no moving it up. Fuck. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen. All I know is that if she does it, I will be mad in the same way that I was mad. Like, not really mad, but a little bit mad when she dropped 3 a.m. tracks for Midnight's. And we were like, what could be the special thing at 3 a.m.? And we're like, it's probably more tracks. But what if it's not? Like, why are we even awake? And then we got this surprise. These are the 3 a.m. tracks. And we were so tired. And we're like, fuck. <laughs> Taylor, no. There are so many of them. And it's we listened so to late. the Great War with a straight face. And we we're like, that was okay. <laughs> yeah. And then the next day we were like, oh my God, this is great. But it was hard to enjoy them because we were so tired and like drunk. And so I'm just saying, I'll be mad at the same ways when the 3 a.m. tracks came where I was like, are you fucking kidding? More content? Oh, stop Hitler. feeding me. I'm full. There was an album. There was an album. It existed. And it's, it's coming. That makes me physically want to throw up right now. Please do not throw up. You are on camera and I will puke by proxy. I'm not trying to get anybody's hopes up. I'm just saying that people keep presenting the theories and I'm not here to present what they have presented. I'm just saying if you go onto TikTok and you search double album 1989 theory, you're going to get a bunch of videos of things that are strange that Taylor has done that might be something that in retrospect, everyone's like, those were obvious Easter eggs. I don't know if you've seen these videos, Olivia. Not a ton. I'm just saying that there is a lot of stuff that might end up as a retrospective. We should have known this was coming because it looks pretty damning. Well, we will know in a couple days. And um, if it happens, uh, instead of presenting the karma theory, we can present to you every Easter egg that led us to this moment. I feel like I try not to clown if I can avoid it because I always get hurt when I clown. Yeah. So I'm not going to clown that hard, but I'm going to clown enough that it could be... Two hours in, we've just finished listening. We're all drinking our champagne and being like, nice job. And if I get a notification, I won't be surprised. I'll be like, of course. Of course. Yeah, absolutely. I have a hard time fully clowning for the double album drop theories. What if she just announces it? What if she's like, surprise, see you guys in one week. We're doing it again. <laughs> anyway, uh, what did you Taylor learn this week? That I'm sweaty about this double album drop, I guess. <laughs> Okay, but all in all seriousness, let's think. I was going to say that I learned the is it over now being in relation to Harry Styles. I really think mm-hmm. I really think that that could be it, like an on again off again confirmation type song. I really like the theory we built for that one. We can share that learning if you want. Yes. <laughs> Deal. Mostly we went over what we already knew. We found out that Taylor Swift's lipstick does indeed transfer onto Travis Kelsey's mustache when they make out. <laughs> yeah. Pat McGrath, where are you? <laughs> it didn't transfer onto her arm during the man when she was kissing it on tour, but it does transfer onto his mustache when they're smushing faces. I was going to say, there's a little bit more pressure. There. Jesus Christ. <laughs> You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok if we haven't scared you off by now at Learning Podcast. You can visit our website. It's getting improvements and updates and merch and stuff all the time. So go to TaylorLearningPodcast.com. We did get feedback that it is showing up for some people as like a not safe site or whatever. Just continue. Just press the continue button. It's hosted by Squarespace. I don't even know yeah. how to embed a virus if I wanted to. So it's no. safe. <laughs> Taylearningpodcast.com. It's probably it probably just gets flagged because I have our episodes embedded from other websites on oh. our websites. And the other websites in question are Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So that's probably why that's getting flagged like that. Probably. And it's a new website and that's a yeah. big like sign of scams. So yep. Taylearningpodcast.com. 
spell it correctly. I uh, can't guarantee if you misspell it that you won't be taken to a scam site. And you can follow us on Twitter at TayLearning. And we'd love to engage and chat. And be sure to rate this podcast. We love when you rate it. We love when you share it. This community gets better the more people that are in it. So thanks for listening and thanks for sharing. Yeah, we're so happy that every single one of you are here. <sighs> the next time we talk, it'll be after 1989 Taylor's version. Wild 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 um we will try our best to share all of our release party fun on social media so make sure you are following us if you aren't doing so already yeah and if you don't have your own party planned you can always join us virtually we'll probably live stream yeah for this week my name is danny and i'm olivia happy 1989 taylor's version release week ah 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 I get so embarrassed every time I listen to that and it's not because we were drunk. I listen to that and I'm like, oh my God, how could I ever think that Taylor Swift would stoop this low (laughs) as to what I guessed? I do have to listen to that episode in bits and pieces because I just, I'm like, okay, we're done. I got the, I got the ick. Like, you come back later. But it's still so funny. Like, thank God Taylor Swift is writing the music and I have nothing to do with it. Because what the fuck?